You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello and welcome. This is Caroline Kay from carolinekay.co, hostess of the Snippets of Genius podcast, business and success coach. If you're a client, show guest, weekly listener, or a friend of mine, welcome back. If you're new to the show, it's great to have you here. And I hope that this show is exactly the insight you've been needing to move the needle on your business idea. I have a question for you today. Are you an entrepreneur in hiding? The reason I ask is because my show guest today discovered she was just that. I am thrilled to introduce Franka Gurubishish, and you're going to hear today how she not only found the team, the energy, the funds, all of it, put it all together and said, right, let's make this happen and let's make this happen in, wait for it, less than three days. It's a hell of a roller coaster ride and I'm so thrilled that I'm able to share this with you. And make sure while you're listening, have a think about what are those hidden strengths that you have that you could utilize to start building a business that you love. Let's get started. Franca, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you and Oasis. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to start because everything happened so quickly and came so naturally to me. But yeah, so within the last year or year and a half ago, I went from being an illustrator and the creative, which I started during the pandemic and after an earthquake hit Zagreb. It was a form of art therapy for me. And was it, a, I didn't know about the earthquake. Yeah. Was it a really big one. Yeah, it was. And I'm only five kilometers away from the epicenter and <gasps> I live oh on the up, on the highest floor. So it was really, really, really shaky. <laughs> what was it on the Richter scale? Did they tell you? It was, the first one was 5.5. The second was 5. So within wow. like 30 minutes, we had like 5.5 slash 5.6. And then 30 <gasps> minutes after, it was another one of, on the scale of 5. Oh my goodness. And, yeah. and at that level, is that kind of a really decent shake? Or is that kind of building starting to crumble? Like, where, where are um, we at on that? Some, yeah, so... Fortunately, here in Zagreb, no buildings kind of disappeared, crumbled. A lot of roofs disappeared and a lot of walls of the buildings disappeared, especially the older ones. Our house, we were very lucky. We didn't have any structural damage, but like I still have holes in the walls. Yeah, from how so many things and, you know, like closets were shaking. They literally like punched, made made a hole in the wall from from the force. Wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. I can't imagine yeah. living through something like that. It's it was the first time it's happened to you. Or... Uh, yeah, that's the first time. And so it's, it's a really, I still get chills talking about it. Like I'm, I'm all chilled now. Oh. So it was the morning after we were put into statewide lockdown, which is in retrospect, a blessing because otherwise many more people will be out in the streets, in the city center where there has been the most rumble. So luckily we didn't have many like human victims. 
Yeah. And it also snowed and you know, like it was the first lockdown and everyone everything was really weird because like for me I didn't at that at that moment I lost all spaces of safety I had because mm. I you, you can't go outside because outside is a virus which we still sure. didn't know how yeah. dangerous it was. And then I didn't feel safe in my house because the ground is shaking. All of that kind of impacted that I didn't feel also safe within me because all of my stability, all of my routines mm-hmm. were starting to crumble as well. That yeah. was a time when I was already, I requested an absence, a leave of absence from work because I had some personal stuff going on the, like, the month, two months before. So everything mm-hmm. came at the same time in the same month, all of these horrible things happened and then I completely lost it. (laughs) I mean, fair enough. I mean, oh my goodness, there's such a lot to take in. Yeah. Oh, you poor thing. But you found creativity, your outlet to... Yeah, exactly. For me, illustrating, which I have never done before, I just woke up one day and I felt the urge to draw something. It was like, it was just in me that day. And when you look at my at the illustrations I created then, they are all very much, they, they're like very colorful, full of patterns and full of plants because I was collecting plants at that time as many people did. And uh, they were focused a lot on trying to find some balance and work on my mental health. So every illustration had a girl featuring pose. And you will see, you could, you'll be able to see that all of the poses are kind of very chill or meditative or kind of reflecting. Through my creation of creating those illustrations, I was actually kind of saving myself at the time mm-hmm. because I was really depressed. I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but through those illustrations, my kind of, my spirit, I kept my spirit alive. From those, like really difficult moments I managed to create something then which led me to started posting the illustrations on Instagram like many other creatives did during the pandemic and because I was working as a management consultant and I by nature really love helping people Mm -hmm. I actually really connected with a lot of the girls who were illustrating or doing pottery or any other form of creativity and I was helping them grow their businesses and scale their businesses on Etsy or on markets, et cetera, et cetera. One day I just realized, ah, I enjoy doing this much more than I enjoy doing that for myself. And at that moment, and that was like fall of 2020, I started thinking, well, how can I make that happen? But in a way that's really concrete and that I know what I'm doing because online courses were starting to get really popular because everyone wasn't at home and on furlough and stuff like that. Online communities were on the rise, but I didn't I didn't align with getting really, really stuck into online courses and online communities and asking people for money, especially this niche, which I was aiming to help, which was female creatives, because most of them already were on furlough. So I was like, I need to find a way myself to figure out how I can help them reach a point in their business that from that point on they can invest in them in themselves without the risk of or rather the fear of losing their stability my mission of helping 
fem- creative female entrepreneurs rise was, okay, I'm going to start an incubator and an accelerator in Zagreb, here where I am. The incubator will be completely free because it's public funded. This idea of waking up one day and going, right, I want to start a publicly funded incubator so it's free, just Mm. to get to even that sentence of a publicly funded incubator, Mm -hmm. which is free. I mean, just take us back a little bit into the moment you went, how do I do this and make it accessible? And then what kind of journey did you have to go on to figure that out? Yeah. So as a lot of things, I always reverse engineer because I start with, just like I've said now, I don't want women to pay for this so it's like okay so this is what I'm starting with mm-hmm. how can I how can I make it happen yeah. I can't fund them I can't sponsor them because I don't have the money to do everything for free mm-hmm. so I, I also need to be able to not not necessarily pay myself but not invest so much of my own money into the project yeah so mm-hmm. I knew okay so I need to get some funding then the second step was okay so there's two types of funding right so I can get either public funding or I can go and seek an angel investor or something even more and because I wanted to have it done really really quickly and at that point I didn't have a big necessarily big network of someone who might have seen the opportunity and decided to invest in me yeah. I decided to search for all tenders that were open that I could apply with, knowing that this issue is really, really important to the European Union. Croatia is a part of the EU and female entrepreneurship, especially creative female entrepreneurship, is something that is part of their goals because the numbers need to be higher. You know that there are much less female founders than than their male counterparts in entrepreneurship in general. And then the numbers are even worse when it comes to industry like culture and creativity. So I knew I had a really, really big advantage and strength uh, with this project. So yeah, then I started looking, okay, so which 10 public tenders are open and that I can apply? I found one, but the deadline was like in three days. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, well, it's now or never. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I literally, I spoke with my friends because you need to have a team of at least five people in order to apply. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Add another layer on that. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, I grouped, like, like I grouped my friends. They were all, of course, for the idea. And then I just sat for like, I don't know, six hours wait for the, for the, those first two days when I found, found the tender because they said, please don't apply on the last day because our servers crash constantly. So your project might not go through. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, so technically I have two days and it was like already passed, like half, half the day passed. Um, And and my friends, are they in any way connected to the business or were they just guys, I need to put your name on this piece of paper so I can have five people. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was a mix of both because all of us kind of already discussed this problem as I was, you know, doing illustrations and everything. I always, I, I chatted with them with this idea that I was toying with. But from when the idea became concrete in my head to when I needed to start writing the project, I don't think we spoke about it. So it was just like, you remember that thing I was talking to you about? I'm writing a project and I'm writing your name on, the, on it. <laughs> Can you please apply in the system and send me your ID number so I can submit I the project? That. 
yeah making yeah. it happen just yeah. guys get on and get involved in this yeah exactly like i'll explain you later but like you'll you'll love it you love it i promise i'll explain to you later have like believe in me have trust in me yeah so this was manic but i i love those experiences that yeah i just like that adrenaline rush i get it's the best thing ever so I wrote the proposal. I think it had like 13, 14, 15 pages or something like that. Wow. And the um, maybe like in total of 10 to 12 hours because there were specific things like you needed to cover why the project was important. So I needed to do a lot of research with the numbers, with the statistics, with the goals, then list out all of the activities for the planned 12 months, et cetera, et cetera. So it was like really, really dense and detailed project proposal i submitted it and then i slept for three days <laughs> <laughs> and had my fingers crossed until the results were in and i think so for context this was the project tender was end of may of last year okay and end of july early august i think we got the project results which was okay so i'm getting my project 100% funded so you could okay. get there was a certain maximum amount of finances you could ask I asked mm -hmm. for the maximum and I got the maximum so I was right. like yes <laughs> <laughs> can I ask what the maximum was what was available yeah so the per project it was 500 euros per month and because my project is 12 months it's a total of 6,000 euros Oh, right. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. But you could still, you had your financial runway then for that 12 months to start building. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. So I knew that, okay. And all of those 6,000 euros meant that now I can kind of put my foot on the gas instead of the brake pedal. <laughs> like, let's go. Like, let's fucking go. Because now, now I don't need to stress over money because I've got that covered. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, was this at the, I'd say still at your job at this point, or had you already decided you're not going back to work? Oh, what, what oh yeah. So, so at that point, I wasn't at my job any longer. So I officially quit my job in mid August of 2020. So close okay. to six months after the earthquake. At that point, when I was, as I said, like I was from from March until like August, September, I was a vegetable. Like I I couldn't think my prefrontal cortex completely shut off because of the PTSD and everything. I could even sense, you know, because we are so close, I could even sense the small earthquakes, like the 1, 1.5s. Mm. So because the ground is almost constantly shaking to kind of let go of all the energy, I had like small panic and anxiety attacks throughout the day. And even now, sometimes I'm really sensitive to sounds. So when I hear a sound that was that my mind remembers is happened that day as well, I just freeze completely because I just wait. Oh my god, the ground is going to start to shake. Oh god, um, terrifying. Oh yeah. yeah. But anyways, so yeah, so I quit my job then because I decided this is not how I want to live my life. First of all, I don't want to work for other people, which I knew from a very young age. But then everyone else tells you. First of all, you're insane because I come from a very traditional culture that is really like you find one job and you're yeah. in that same job until you retire. Mm -hmm. So for me to 
kind of sense within myself that I need to have, as I say, all of the puzzle pieces in front of me and that I manage them instead of getting like just like a small portion to toy with until I, I basically die. It was <laughs> un, like, I, I just, I, I never aligned with that idea. But still, I did, I worked in a big agency, I worked in a small consultancy and those two kind of experiences were like, okay, so this is the proof that I did it I didn't like it. I'm going to, like, I'm doing, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tossing that in the trash and I'm going to work for myself and build things that I'm actually passionate about. Oh, that's such a great mantra to have as well, just to get, yeah. oh, this isn't for me. I kind of love that you've connected with a bit more of who you are and what lights you up and getting into that creative being which you clearly are a creative person and I will be sending pictures of the amazing illustrations that I can see even dressing in your room behind you (laughs) that just look gorgeous so there'll be links in the show notes to the Instagram and everything else but I would love to know kind of there is a bit of a learning curve when you become Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and it sounds like you had three days to figure it out learn how to write a pitch proposal get stats statistics figure out your usp the whole shebang yeah would you say that that was your learning curve or you know tell us a little bit about how you felt you've been on this journey learning to become an entrepreneur did it really start those three days before you submitted that proposal or did it start quite a while before yeah so i I would say that I was an entrepreneur in hiding for the most of my life (laughs) because I approached every job as if I was the CEO, as if I was the founder, even my university project. So for during my university, like I was student council president, I had at the same time, like I was creating projects, I was getting funding for those same projects. I think I calculated that in the three years of my undergraduate studies, the total funding I got for all of my projects was around 150,000 euros. Wow. Okay. So, Amazing. So I kind of already had those, you know, kind of that knowledge of, okay, so how, how do I find a tender? How do I apply for a tender? Yeah. I all, and I, it, it, feel, it feels really weird for me to say because it comes really effortlessly for me. It's not something that I ever struggle with. I mostly struggle with, starting to do that so the doing it in three days it was helpful because I had a really really fast deadline that I needed to do (laughs) yeah but yeah so as I said like I approached literally everything in my life as if I'm the main character in it so especially in this smaller consultancy I know I felt that I was doing my job the best when I acted I'm the managing director because Mm -hmm. then you kind of remove all of the roofs, the perceived roofs from your yeah. in, from inside of your head, and you're able to see forward and had had that width of the big picture of what's going in front of you, rather than just focusing on the small part that you have. And then yeah. even doing that small part that you have feels better because you have kind of your entire playing field in, in front of you. I love that analogy, but I do have to ask if you were kind of taking this mindset of like I am the CEO yeah every job you had yeah if you had that almost giving yourself that freedom and permission yeah to act and behave why would you want to leave because not not always other people loved it like I struggled with that like even like even on uni you know like at one point and I know it's it's weird it's a weird thing to me it's it's it may be a weird thing to have 
me show an example of a university for having a CEO mindset, but technically that's it because like I was still, you know, like I was doing the things and I was winning awards and I was at one point the most awarded student in the entire faculty and mm-hmm. the one that uh, published the most, the highest number of scientific papers. Yet I didn't finish that first degree because some people didn't like it. And then uh, like I couldn't kind of pass their egos. So I had to switch majors because oh. I wasn't allowed to kind of pass in the next, next, next year. Oh, no. That's so tough. It is. Like, that's really tough. But I think with every entrepreneur, there is a story where you've had to build your resilience. And I think you've told us two there, where other people are putting you down, standing in your way, where the world literally starts shaking around you. Yeah. And, you know, you've found your way to spring back. Yeah. Basically, like, from that point when I switched majors, I I felt like I went from a rocket ship to a cruise ship. (laughs) And then I couldn't get my engine just, just like a floated in the oceans. <laughs> and up Do you until you floated right up until now, until you've like got this idea. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much what happened. So kind of this time, two years ago was when that as I said, like pandemic earthquakes happened. Then in the next six months, I was like, okay, so let's try and regain control of the cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> and decide which direction think, we want to I go. D- I don't think you got hold of the cruise ship. I think you went and refueled the rocket ship. By the <laughs> <start of it. laughs> I think I yeah. That I think it feels like I can see how that that seems now. For me, it felt like I'm really behind, and for someone who was really ahead all of the time, that was a real pain in the ass, and it was a real challenge for me to not be so judgmental towards myself. So yeah, it took a go- it, it took a lot of going back and forth inside my own mind of okay, so what do I want with my life, and also how do I stop myself from burning out and mm. or constantly reminding myself of my why's and why am I doing things? Completely tuning in with my intuition and my gut feeling because they are never wrong. <laughs> That is such good advice. And those are the things that you need to listen to most on the journey of becoming an entrepreneur. But I think there's a lot of work, a lot of personal work, a lot of deep work you need to do to get clarity on that purpose, Mm. that why, you know, to not only see an opportunity in the marketplace and think that's an underserved market that I could do something for, but to actually go, I want to put my blood, sweat and tears into this and pull all nighters and rope in friends and do whatever's necessary. So tell us a bit about your why. Tell us a bit more about kind of what you've unpacked for for Oasis. Mm, So yeah, since I obviously like, since I was a little kid, I always was fascinated and drawn to professions that help people. You know, like every grandparent wants their grandkids to say, I want to be a doctor (laughs) (laughs) because doctors help people. But my, yeah, my- I always thought it was because they made loads of money. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably what they don't say, but they think. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to do good in the world and you're going to be very comfortable. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, just to add. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, if you go to my LinkedIn, for example, you'll see that I did so many different, almost unrelated things. But that's because with all of them, I was just trying different 
tools and techniques and mediums mm. how to achieve my goal of yeah. building a better world, basically, and having at least one day, someone like one person wake up tomorrow and have their life better because of something that I did. I love at that. least one interaction. And yeah, that kind of is built through everything that I always do. It's my, it's what generates all the energy because I deeply believe that everyone deserves a life where it's a joyful, almost like frictionless life. Yeah. And oh, my amen go- to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then I, I just put my problem solver hat on and yeah. I'm okay. So which problems am I solving today? But they always need, as, as you said, like they need to fire me up from the inside because I'm smart. I can see like a million of problems I could be dealing with because the market is unfulfilled or there's this is still something that hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. But if they don't fulfill me, I won't have the passion or the energy to solve them because it doesn't come from the inside. That's it. And you need all of that energy in the rocket ship to keep yeah, going when exactly. you are on the entrepreneurial path. And I think that leads me on really lovely to my next question, which is, do you believe there's some sort of pattern or formula in becoming a successful entrepreneur? And kind of what strategies are you following to get to where you want to be? Uh-huh. So this, I, okay, so this might sound a bit weird, but the, <laughs> I think the only formula is no one knows what they're doing. And <laughs> because every time I try to, you know, like I, I read a lot of books, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And if I were to kind of, oh, like what Tim Ferriss did with Tools of Titans when he interviewed uh-huh. hundreds of successful people, you will see that every single one of them had a different path and mm-hmm. different ways of getting there. So yeah. like there's no one single or even two single formulas that will be okay so if you follow this formula you'll get to where you want to go it's just the trick is letting go of thinking that there's a unified way of doing things and you just need to follow whatever is coming from inside of you because that fire is what's going to lead you to where you want to go nothing else Love that. That's one of the best answers I think I'm ever going to have. So well done for that one. Absolutely love it, Franco. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about maybe two hard truths that you've had to learn on your business journey. Two. Okay. So the first one would be that even the people closest to you won't always have the understanding and give you the support that you may require. I think that's something that often kind of goes unrecognized and we don't talk a lot about it, but being a founder and especially being creative with a lot of ideas, like my psychologist will tell you that I'm a creative tornado. <laughs> <laughs> and that that requires a lot of, you know, like responsibility for my partner because if he gets sucked into that tornado, it's really bad for him. Uh, yeah, you need to kind of... I, my hard truth was managing my own expectations around how, what type of support and in what kind of scale I will get from those who are closest around me and not put pressure, for example, on my partner to 
understand everything that I'm doing or want to know and hear about everything that I'm doing, but just be like, okay, I see you're doing your shit. Yeah. Off you go. Well done. (laughs) What was your second hard thing? The second one is you can self-impose burnout on yourself in a way that you... So before this happened, I thought that I was experiencing burnout previously because of purely external conditions. The work environment wasn't right. I was working too much hours. I wasn't receiving the, the feedback I wanted to receive, etc., etc. So, of course, when I started working for myself, I thought there's no way I, I'll get... Because there's like, there's no, there's no fucking way. I, because I put limits on, okay, I'm doing the thing that I love. I'm working when I want to work and when my uh-huh. energy feels full enough to work. But then one day I was like, this feels familiar. (laughs) It doesn't feel good. And yeah, so I realized that when you're building something, you're not building something for tomorrow. You're building something for six months, for one year, for three years. And I was overwhelming myself with the thoughts of what I'm going to do in a year's time and three years time before those things even arrived to my daily to-do list or my weekly to-do list. So I was feeling the pressure of like a year worth of tasks today Uh instead of streamlining and just focusing on, okay, so what do I have? What are my goals for this? I don't know, quarter. Then how are those quarterly goals fit in the month? And how do those then goals and tasks fit into my week and then the day to day? So yeah, that was my second hard shoot when I was like, oh, I self-imposed burnout on myself. Like, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> I think I'm going to put market as one to avoid, but brilliant tips there to help people structure themselves a bit more because yeah, you won it all yesterday. So that yeah. is an mm. absolute feeling of yeah. trying to get to the finish line. Yeah. You're uh, pacing yeah. yourself, as we say. Brilliant. What's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Waking up every day and knowing that everything, that every single thing is my decision. And what does success mean to you? Success for me means that if I reach success, whatever it is, it's something that's felt externally, not internal. Like I can reach a point where I will, where I will be like, okay, I think I'm successful now, but that point needs to be almost visible externally so whom did I help whose life is better off now than it was and is there a ripple effect because like it's it's the if you teach a man to fish right so I don't want to like do stuff for people I want to do it with them so then they can go on in their own lives and teach others to do the same. So like, I want the ripple effect because then it scales the success and makes it completely external. Amazing, amazing, lovely answer. I absolutely adore that one. Okay, some really quick fire round questions now for Mm -hmm. you. Tell us something people often get wrong about you. They think that I'm really short, but actually I'm really tall. Huh, I would never have thought you were short, but okay, we're moving on. What's one thing you wish you'd done sooner? Started working for myself. (laughs) It's a cliche, but yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. And what's the best part about your job? Meeting people across 
the entire world and across all, all of their kind of stages and points in life and resonating and sharing experiences together. Oh, it's giving me goosebumps. I love that answer. Love it. Okay, a biggest lesson in setting up your own business. It takes, okay, it takes more, even more self-management than you initially thought. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? I have been especially loving The Biography CEO by Stephen Bartlett. I don't think there has been an episode which I haven't listened in the last like a year or so. He brings very, very like high profile people, not only entrepreneurs, but like singers or doctors or actors, etc. And gets really, really deep and honest with them for like an hour, hour and a half. And hearing hearing all of their stories is something that kind of helps me get out of my own head and be yeah. like, this is not only this is not only your problem. This is a <laughs> what, like global wide problem, and other people have it as well. Lovely, good resource. What's one piece of advice you wish you'd known earlier, or is so awful you need to warn us? I recently got diagnosed with ADHD, even though that's something that I knew I had but didn't formally had a diagnosis. For me, all of all of the awful pieces of advice are traditional productivity advice, such as mm. eat the frog. For there's yeah. there's no way I will start with the hardest hardest task in the morning because then I will not work at all for the entire year if that's what I need to do first thing in the morning. <laughs> so yeah, for me it was okay, kind of putting all of these things aside and figuring out what systems work for me and my own brain rather than okay these are the productivity tools that are best practices (laughs) sometimes best practices can be wrong advice detrimental but I'm so interested why is eating the frog the worst thing for you that's basically for any of the listeners tackling the hardest thing first getting that thing done first thing in the morning to then tick off the easier things on your list yeah, so a lot of people who have who are diagnosed with ADHD, we, our brains basically uh, have a very very difficult way to starting things, anything, and even if it's something that we are passionate about and that we have a very kind of high interest for, it can be hard to start. Mm-hmm. And what is always recommended is you start with like very very small things, like like. 5, 10, 15 minutes tasks just to get yourself into your hyper focus and flow and then build up. So it's basically almost completely opposite. Of, yeah. yeah, because if we are, and then for me personally, and I know for a lot of people, a lot of other founders who are in a similar situation, you're often a perfectionist as well. Uh-huh. And then if you need to eat the frog and like it's a really big one, I will procrastinate on eating it. Because I know that it won't be perfect from the first yeah. time. It's much easier for me to uh, first start with the easy task and then also chop the frog first. <laughs> Not yeah, eat yeah. it, chop it into many small pieces and then choose, okay, which part of the... Oh, this is so weird <laughs> to say. Which part of the frog I'm going to eat first? <laughs> go French you know start with (laughs) (laughs) okay okay we digress with solid (laughs) advice on productivity hacks for anyone out there with ADHD perfect okay so what's one thing you're really excited about right now oh so 
I, I will connect this to the previous point as well because in order what I realized what I realized is in order to build my businesses, I need mm-hmm. to not get bored. Yes. In order not to get bored, I need to future proof them and have at least like 30 or 40% chunk, which I don't understand, or that I am just starting to learn because then that part is a challenge. Uh-huh. So for example, with Oasis, I already know all of the steps of building a traditional incubator, a traditional community, a traditional accelerator. So if I was to stop there, I would never have started it because I will I would already be bored because I know all of the next steps. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it's <laughs> just it's a I I always say you, say you a, don't like to eat the frog, but you like to make your business as difficult as possible in the sense of at least not knowing 80 percent. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you and are I, just you know walking contradictions. Well, I love it. I, I always say like it's both a curse and a blessing. But basically, so what I'm most excited about building is looking all the ways of bringing so the novelty that i bring in oasis is around web3 crypto and nfts which are which are things that i'm really curious about it's really new and like it gets bonus points because not a lot of people know about it and haven't started implementing it yet so like i get extra fired up about how how do i implement this into my own business and yeah, it's also like, it, it doubles as a bonus found advice as like, if you get bored as easily as I do, future-proof your business by something you don't know. <laughs> that has got to be the snippet of genius of the show. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. You're and welcome. I, I think I've got to ask, if you're having a bit of a tough day and mm-hmm. you're feeling like not got your mojo, or your energy, what is the one music track that lights you up and makes you feel you can take on the day? Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Well, that is just an absolute (laughs) classic belter, isn't it? (laughs) You have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much, Franca, for joining me on Snippets of Genius. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap. I hope that you found that burst of inspiration and motivation you need to start building the business you love. Do check out every episode's show notes for links to these fabulous companies these superstars are building. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you are invited to come and join all of us from this series over on LinkedIn in the Snippets of Genius community. And finally, if you haven't already subscribed, get on over to your preferred podcast platform, search and subscribe to Snippets of Genius and get every episode sent directly to you. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.